epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Welcome, everyone, to the latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz, on this edition of our podcast. I was at UConn for the College Basketball Academy that the NCAA is sponsoring for the first time, and it is here to stay. We're going to get to that in just a moment. While I was there, I sat down with St. Mary's head coach, Randy Bennett. We talked about how the Gales certainly could be and should be an NCAA tournament team next season. His love affair with the country, the island continent of Australia. How many times he's been there? A little tip, if you will, if you're going there for some sightseeing. He's got some spots that you've got to go and Certainly his interest in the food in Australia. Also, Davidson's Bob McKillop discussing the Wildcats and what Steph Curry has done for Davidson. And with St. Mary's, by the way, we also discussed what Patty Mills and Matthew Delavadova also have done for St. Mary's. And then latter part of this podcast, I wanted to talk to Andy Toole. There were a couple of listeners out there that said, hey, You've been talking about the summer recruiting calendar and how it's affected everyone. Let's hear from someone at the lower level of Division I. So bring on Andy Toole from Robert Morris. He's been somewhat critical. So I sat down with Andy, and you'll hear that conversation. So two things I want to hit you off the top here of the show before we get to our guests. First of all, the summer recruiting calendar, it's over for the month of July. I was at the academy. There's a lot of talk within college basketball circles about, about what should happen, what did happen. And I've said this, and I will reiterate it again. July was gone. It was over. You were not going to get it if you were a college basketball evaluator coach. So that came back. You got the Peach Jam that AAU weekend. Coaches I've talked to all love the fact that the high school scholastic weekends that occurred in June, they what Georgia, Illinois, D.C., Philly, New York all put on, Everything I heard, extremely positive. California, Texas, Florida need to get on board, and I think they will. Need to get organized. Positive. Top 100, USA Basketball for college coaches to go to, big positive. Not for everybody. That's what we're going to talk to Andy Toole about. So really, it all comes down to this last weekend we just had versus Las Vegas, which is what it used to be, or Vegas and Orlando. So $8 million plus was poured into this. And I can tell you, everyone I talked to, what I witnessed, has no issue with the organization. The fact that everything was for free, players flown in, a guardian of your choice was uh, able to come. Everything was done on a first-class basis. The talent level for everyone could have been better. There um, There was not as much depth at the top 
there was much more depth toward the middle and the bottom. So there weren't as many elite players, but there were players. And to dismiss that as some have is irresponsible. These were not five jokers off the street, okay? These are players who will play somewhere in the sport of college basketball. Can't tell you exactly where. Can't tell you if everyone there will end up at Division I. The majority probably will. From what I saw at UConn, I would say so. Now, I was there the latter part of the week. And there were three other sites, as you know, if you're following the story. Houston, Phoenix, and Illinois. But the elites weren't there, or the majority of the elites weren't there. So how do you change that? Well, number one, you could work on the timing of the camp. Is it better to do it in June, which some have suggested to me? That's a discussion point. Do you work with some of the AUs and maybe you have some of them become coaches at the camp? Because the problem right there is they're telling guys not to come or you don't need to come. And by the way, The third week in July for a lot of these recruits was a problem anyway. Guys were tired. They're tired of being on the road. And so they were done with sort of all this. So that's not shocking that they had a little bit of a a defection issue where people weren't showing up in general. You can work with the AU guys. There's plenty of good people to get them to come. Do you work still with, which I know is going on with the sneaker companies, so that there isn't a, contradic- a, a conflicting event. USA basketball, which occurred this past weekend, I don't think that'll happen again where it's the same week of that. At least they're going to try to avoid that. So I, I do think these are problems that can be tweaked in terms of getting more and more players there. But I want to stress, A, this was not a failure. It was a success in that it was put together in a short amount of time. Okay, organized well with not just good, but very, very good and sometimes great coaches working with players and teaching. As I said, the elite talent on the whole was not there. So had those players been there, people would be raving about it. Okay, Um, and the criticism that you can't just evaluate on a Drill station. Well, it wasn't just drills. Uh, There were games. And uh, I'm not going to just paint some rosy picture. It can be better. It could be better. And it will get better. That's everything I've been told. Because it's not going anywhere. So they have invested money to make it better. So eventually, I do think more and more and more players will come. But you need to work with certain people to make sure that happens. And I think that will occur. So first step in a long process. This, by the way, is not the answer to some of the ills that occurred to even start up this whole FBI issue that had four assistant coaches arrested, one ultimately serving in a short prison stint. So, but this was the edict and they decided that they're going to follow it. So with that being said, change had to happen because it was ordered to change. I had one assistant coach said, well, is someone going to admit there was a mistake? I said, I don't think there needs to be a mistake admission. It just is like the concept of the camp is a good idea. It's just one piece on a calendar that has a lot of other good pieces. As I mentioned, high school recruiting or with your high school team, AU piece, 
you know, could you get another AU weekend in there? Sure. That can all be negotiated, I think, if looking at the calendar. Could you get another one, whether it's in July or another one in June, or is it another one in April when the calendar doesn't allow it? Do you still give them two? Uh, and, you know, even if it's Easter weekend, I mean, I don't know. I'm just trying to talk out loud here about how you create that second one, uh, even if it's a holiday weekend. So there's different things you can work out. And in, years, in the years that Easter's not following, following in that time period in April, I think it'll be fine. So listen to these interviews, see what you think. Hit me up on Twitter at TheAndyCats. Also went and watched the Big East Pan Am team, which uh, had a number of high-profile players, including Miles Powell from Seton Hall, who you're going to hear a lot from this season in college basketball. I think he's got a great shot to take Seton Hall potentially the first Final Four since 1989. Tyshawn Alexander is going to help Creighton potentially get back to the NCAA tournament. Seeing healthy players for Providence, A.J. Reeves, Alpha Diallo, Nate Watson, David Duke. The Friars should be back in the NCAA tournament. Colin Gillespie for Villanova. He's uh, got a great chance to be another lead guard that the Wildcats can count on to help them maintain their elite status. Uh, and Mustafa Heron. Now his second year at St. John's, playing for his second head coach and Mike Anderson, and he's all in playing for Anderson. So big positives with this team. We'll see how they do down in the Pan Am games. It's not going to be easy because they're playing against a lot of national teams and in some cases men. But uh, I love this concept. I love conference all-stars taking over some of this lower-level USA basketball outside of the national team. Um, I think it's a great deal to spread the wealth, I love that the World University Games um, was Clemson. You know, in years past, it's been Kansas, Purdue, Northern Iowa. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing it spread a little bit like that, where you maybe move around a, an elite program in a one-bid league. Um, you know, just move it around. And uh, I think it's good for basketball. It's good for the NCAA. And, uh, you know, it helps with USA basketball because you're putting a team together that uh, already knows how to play together. So... Let's get to some of these interviews. Let's start off with uh, Randy Bennett from St. Mary's. We'll go to Bob McKillop and then Andy Toole. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, St. Mary's head coach Randy Bennett, recruiting on the East Coast. Uh, it seems like every time you guys are in the NCAA tournament, you get shipped to the East. You should be familiar with us. Yeah, we've been out here twice, Hartford twice to play. So now Providence once too, wasn't it? Yeah, Providence once, Hartford once actually. And uh, I guess 500, it's been good to us. Actually, two out of three, we'll take it. But uh, nah, just out here recruiting, and it's beautiful up here. So you guys had a great run in the tournament. I was there to watch you guys win it in Vegas. Um, what's been the coattails off of that, where you had that great march, you get in the tournament, you know, the ability to sort of build off of that? Because clearly earlier in the season, it was a bit of a reshuffling until you guys sort of got your feet you know, wet uh, once you got deeper into the WCC? I think the uh, the byproduct of it is confidence. You guys, you can just kind of feel it in the spring and summer when we work with our guys. And that's what, and I think you'll see it in games this year. So, I mean, you don't know for sure until it happens, but I think that's, our guys just know they can play with the best teams. And uh, the way we got in the tournament and the, to beat Gonzaga when they were as good as they were, all those things are confidence, and so I think uh, 
I think we'll be better just because of that alone. I think we're, our guys have improved, and we have them all back except for Jordan Hunter. So I think we have a chance to have a, a really good team as long as we stay healthy and do what we're supposed to do. You've been on the bubble so many times, uh, and to be able to sort of erase that uh, and to have the rest of that selection week and not be stressed, what was that like to just not have to deal with that kind of stress? Yeah, it was nice. <laughs> I'm still riding that high, to tell you the truth. But uh, you know what? If you're on the bubble, it's a good thing. You're in, in, if you keep it in perspective, it's hard to be on the bubble. It's hard to get in there. And if you're mid-major and don't win your, win your conference tournament, you're probably going to be on the bubble. So to be there isn't bad, but it's a lot nicer to win that tournament and, and know you're in. So. so in the WCC this year, um, and, uh, you know, I, 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 I think I can say this without any bias. We know Gonzaga will be traditionally good. We know you guys will be. I think BYU, with Yoli Childs coming back, even with a new coach, Mark Pope, replacing Dave Rose. And then I think, like, Pepperdine could be a sleeper that people aren't talking about, that they could be much better because they showed it late in the season. What do you think here? I know we're in July, but the depth for the WCC this season. I would agree with all that, and I I think uh, Santa Clara is another one you got to put in there. They return all all their starters, and they had a, I thought they had a good team last year. So, uh, and then San Francisco should they were good last year. They kind of uh, petered out at the end, but they have a lot of their guys back. So I, I think it's uh, without going through it too thoroughly in my head right now. I think it's it's about as up as it's been as far as the depth of the conference at the top. It, and Gonzaga's going to be good again. I think BYU's sitting on one of their – I mean, they should be good this year. So um, – and then I think we should be good this year. And, and then those other three, are, they have talent. So, yeah, I think our league should be good. And uh, when whenever you return that many good players in your league, it's usually good. For those that don't fully grasp, what are those rivalry games like for you guys with Gonzaga, what's become now with BYU last year with San Francisco having a good year? What has that become for St. Mary's and, and certainly in the Bay Area? Uh, it's been it's been a long stretch of uh, some good rivalries, good games, good basketball. I think our West Coast Conference is, I think we are eighth in the country last year, but it's a consistently good league. And so it's it's fun to be part of that. Honestly, uh, I think Gonzaga has raised the bar. I think we've raised the bar. I think BYU at times has raised the bar. So, and I think some of those other teams are are starting to rise up because of it. So, it's uh for me, it's you know it's it's I've been in that league a long time, and really the probably thirty years total. So it's uh it's been fun to me to see the league improve to this point and be a league where you can could win the national championship really because if you can get the final four you can win it and gonzaga's proven you can get in it like uh if you can play with them then you then you got a chance to get in it jordan ford could be one of the better point guards lead guards in the country that i don't think people as many people know about what have you seen in terms of his progression that has elevated him to a higher standard he just keeps getting better i mean look at his little track record as a freshman he didn't play that much he had some dnps sophomore he came on second half of the year averaged 11 a game for us and last year we need him to to be be our guy and he went 21 a game and i think he's probably one of the best combo point guards in in the country so i think uh the thing about jordan i never worry about it. he's so right between the ears a tremendous attitude tremendous 
perspective of what it takes to be good. He really wants to be good. So I, the, the, if you ask me why I feel confident about this upcoming season, which I do, it's because I know we have Ford, and I know he's gonna he's gonna lead the team, and he's gonna hold the other guys to a standard that that's a standard that can win a championship. I asked this of Bob McKillop, and I know Steph Curry's obviously on a different level than, than your guys, but w- what has the success of Patty Mills and Matthew Dellavedova in the NBA during the course of their careers at different points, you know, when Mills with the, was, was, was with the Spurs and when Dellavedova was with the Cavs, what did that do for St. Mary's, having those kind of players that played at St. Mary's having success in the NBA? It's amazing how much it's done, and you know, you know what's, you know it's important. Like when a guy gets in the NBA, you, everybody understands that. But I didn't understand the shelf life those two guys would have as far as us for recruiting. Like people still know those guys. Well, I know they're still in the league, but they played on both of them played on a world championship team. Uh, Patty's been a big, uh, a big factor for the Spurs for a long time. So it's just. People recognize your program because of those two guys, because of how visible the NBA is and how big a deal the NBA is. So it's it still helps in recruiting. Anytime we're recruiting a point guard, we we can pretty much get in the door just because of those two guys' success and what they've done, and and people know they went to St. Mary's. And and how much did it help validate what you were already doing though with players, you know, from Australia and that part of the world? Yeah, we, we have our most validation in uh, in Australia because those are those are the two starting point guards on their Olympic team. They're national heroes, so to speak, as far as sports. So we're uh, we're so we're we're a, we're a big fish in a small pond over there because of those guys. And we've had a lot of other good Australian players, but those two in particular, everybody knows. So it's it's helped us. Over in the U.S., it's helped us internationally, and it's really helped us in Australia. All right, so how many trips have you made to Australia? 20-plus mm, you know, over my 18 years, probably 20 or more. What's your airline of choice? Uh, Kiwanis or uh, American? First class business or coach? Whoever gives me business class <laughs> or first class, that's my choice. If you fly to Australia... Uh, give me the difference of going business versus coach. Uh, worlds. <laughs> it is the one place you want to use all your mileage points to get up in that business class. What's worse, when you get there and adjust to that time zone or when you're coming back? When you, For sure, when you go over there. It's an, I never even adjust. It's just you're always tired. But when you come back, you, there's... For me, there's an adrenaline rush that I'm back, and uh, and I adjust quickly when I get home. On the bucket list, what must a tourist do if you've been able to be a little bit of a tourist in Australia? Uh, Sydney, for sure. Uh, it's a beautiful city, a lot to do. Uh, Bondi Beach, it's awesome. Uh, the Go on the, the cruise, and the harbor cruise is just unbelievable views so i think sydney's a must uh i think melbourne go see a footy game is a must it's really cool and uh we did the great barrier reef one time it's pretty pretty cool up there it's up in Cairns, so it's pretty cool oh uh gold coast up in queensland up in brisbane is uh is awesome too it's like hawaii food what must you eat 
You must not eat Vegemite. That much I know. Uh, must eat. They love their lamb over there. I'm not a big lamb guy myself, but they they have good food. It's pretty it's pretty much like uh, U.S. food. So you would highly recommend visiting. Oh yeah, great! It'd be a great place to live. It's very livable. It's a great country, awesome country. It's really, really nice people. Really great culture. Unselfish uh, people. That it's a clean, really clean country. Uh, beautiful beaches it's it's a it's an awesome country i will tell you right now my son has this obsession with australia he's entering ninth grade he keeps telling me he wants to go to college over there he rattles off all these different universities i said look you can maybe take your junior year abroad but he is obsessed with it so now i have all this pressure at some point and i would like to go too i have to take him at some point just send him to St. Mary's. We got enough Australians there for him. He'll think he's in Australia. No, you just send him. Send him. It'd be cool. I'd send my kids there if they wanted to go. It'd be a great place to uh, go away for school and go to a different country. It's a great. It is a great country. I'd, I could live there in a second. All right. One last thing. Scheduling. You've always, uh, you know, things have gotten better and better with uh, challenging your team. What do you have on tap in the non-conference uh, for a team that you know you obviously think is going to be pretty good? Yeah, we, uh, you know, this whole NCAA tournament, selection committee, all that stuff, trying to figure out how do you schedule, who you should schedule, all that. It's constantly evolving. And uh, this year, I think you schedule based on what you think your team is and, and then who you can and can't get because it's not like you just get to pick who you want to play and they'll come and play you. So we have uh, we have a, probably one of our tougher non-conference schedules. And we're uh, on neutrals. We play... Dayton and Arizona State, both those in Phoenix. Um, we play. We have Utah State at home. They'll be really good. They were really good last year, and they have nearly all their team back. We play uh, Nevada in a in the Chase Center over San Francisco, which is a kind of a big event. And then we play at Cal, and we play uh, Fresno State on a neutral in Sacramento. There's an opportunity for us to take. Let Jordan Ford play in front of his hometown. Those are the ones that come to my mind. Oh, we play, I'm sorry, we play Wisconsin first game of the year in South Dakota. That'll be, that'll be a top 25 team. So that'll be a good good first game, good to see where we're at. So I think we have a, a tough schedule, and, but this is a team pretty experienced. It should be able to handle it. Appreciate it, Randy. Thank you. You got it, Andy. Thanks. Up next here on March Madness 365, Davidson's Bob McKillop. And joining me here on March Madness 365, Davidson head coach Bob McKillop. We're watching uh, some of the recruits here at the UConn College Basketball Academy here in late July. Uh, Bob, so many schools had to deal with early entry departures. Um, You didn't. And John Axel and Kellen Grady, they're back. Uh, They easily could have taken that. You know, that bite and gone, they did not. Uh, where would you say your level of optimism is with what you've got coming back? Well, if the spring and the summer is any indication about our work ethic and our attitude and our chemistry, uh, we're moving in the right direction because our guys have been uh, as committed as any group we've ever had in terms of making themselves bigger, stronger, quicker, and more skilled. So let's talk about Grady and, and Goodmanson. Um, 
big time scores for you uh, now a year older uh, why did they tell you they wanted to come back they got the evaluation from the NBA, and that was an indication that they were not going to be drafted. But they put their name in because they thought it was an opportunity for them to get a feel for the process and maybe an understanding about what they lacked to go to the next level. And only through going into that process could they get that really hands-on experience. So with those guys coming back, uh, let's go to the rest of the you know, especially in the front court. What have you seen here during workouts that, uh, you know, gives you even more feeling like this can be a team that can compete for the A-10 title and be a team that's going to get in the tournament and, and do something? Well, you got John Axel, Goodmanson, and Kellen Grady in the backcourt, but uh, I, I think we have some really good other guys in the backcourt with Luke Frampton, who was a terrific three-point shooter for us, and probably the most improved player in our program Carter Collins so you have those four guys definitely can we can manage minutes a lot better David Sharapovich has had a sensational spring so he had a fifth guard then you look at the front court and Keyshawn Pritchard has started for three years for us Luka Brykovic just got better and better and better and then uh, probably the hardest worker on our team Nelson Bocciatum might really surprise people uh, we had a guy out last year with an ACL who had a terrific scrimmage against Tennessee, uh, made seven threes against Tennessee in the afternoon session. Uh, Michael Jones, he has a chance to step in and play quality minutes. And then uh, Daniel Jones's brother, the quarterback for the New York Giants, Bates Jones, uh, he, he's a guy that is willing and able to play many different roles for us in the front court. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of choices from the guys that are returning who have an understanding about what we're doing. Scheduling-wise, you guys always, because of where you're located as well, and your relationships, you know, have always put a great schedule. What do you have on tap for the non-conference that can potentially put you in position, you know, to not just rely on the A-10 to get in? Well, we play Auburn in the Veterans Classic in November. Uh, in Annapolis, Maryland, uh, we've got Charlotte, we've got Wilmington, we've got Nevada coming to us. Uh, we've got Wake Forest in Charlotte. Um, we're in the uh, tournament in Orlando, uh, and I think we open up with Marquette there. Um, we're going out to Chicago to play Loyola. Uh, we have our hands full. We've uh, really loaded up the schedule, and we love the places we're going to. We love the opponents we're playing against. Uh, so it's uh, going to be a very challenging year for us. Steph Curry's impact on the program after he left. Uh, how has he impacted Davidson since he graduated? Stephen wears Davidson on his heart, and he makes sure people know that. Any chance he can, he makes Davidson a visible part of his life. And um, our players see it with the uh, interaction they have with him when he comes and visits. Uh, we see it every day by putting on the Under Armour gear, and Stefan's made it uh, a very generous and gracious part of what he does for our school and for our program uh, with the Under Armour. And of course, every time he puts on a Golden State uniform, Golden State Warrior uniform, he never forgets to be announced as Stephen Curry Davidson College. Uh, so his presence is uh, the uh, sign of approval, the imprimatur from the Pope that says, uh, I, I still support the program. It's a program I love. What do you remember most about that run to the Elite Eight in, uh, in 08? 
Oh, there are so many magical memories, and of course, uh, uh, the come from behind victory against Gonzaga, and a come from behind victory against Georgetown, and a tie game against Wisconsin at halftime, and we win by 18. Those are some magical memories. And, of course, uh, seven minutes to go, and we have a five- or six-point lead against Kansas, and we just couldn't make a basket because Kansas played sensational defense in that last seven minutes of the game. Ultimately, they were uh, the national champions. What did that run to the Elite Eight with Steph? But what, what did the run of just getting to the Elite Eight do to this program? You, you know, I think you see a lot of programs that had that experience, uh, Virginia Commonwealth, Butler, uh, George Mason, and now Loyola. And, and it gives you a recognition, it gives you a, a respect that uh, people in the country are aware of it, but it also gives you a, a sense that, hey, you know, we, we can do okay, we can compete at the very high level. And um, people don't understand what a great program David Davidson was in the 1960s. I think what Lefty Drizel there did in the 1960s as Davidson is one of the greatest stories in college basketball history. And it was done with All-American players like uh, Dick Snyder and uh, Fred Hetzel and Mike Malloy and Doug Cook. Um, we have a great tradition upon which we can uh, look back and say, hey, we've done it before and now let's try to do it again. Bob, one last thing before I let you go here. Uh, we look at the NBA playoffs, Damian Lillard, Weber State, Steph Curry, Davidson, Kawhi Leonard, San Diego State, Pascal Siakam, New Mexico State. Uh, you go down all these rosters, uh, even Clay Thompson, Washington State, at sort of more of a bottom of the high major program. What does that tell players coming up when you look at some of the rosters and the key guys in some of the top teams in the NBA right now not coming from necessarily the Blue Bloods. There are a lot of great players in our country. And, you know, um, I, I think there, maybe I can use this as a comparison. There are a lot of great songs in all kinds of musical genres. But what role you play in singing that music determines how good that song becomes and determines how good you become. And Stephen Curry was put on a stage. C.J. McCollum was put on a stage. Damien Lillian was put on a stage in which they played a pivotal role. They played a key role, and they got experience of playing that role. If, if you understand that being a leading actor in a Broadway production and have the experience of doing that, that helps you prepare for the NBA. Thanks, Bob. You're very welcome. And coming up here in March Madness 365, Robert Morris's Andy Toole. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Robert Morris, head coach Andy Toole. Uh, Andy, we're going to talk a little recruiting. First, we knew that she, the calendar was going to change, okay? Uh, when the commission first came out, there was no July. That changed. College coaches got Peach Jam that whole week back. So there's an AAU that week. Um, essentially, new things, high school recruiting in June. Not every state has bought in yet, but the ones that did, I've been told, went well. We'll see about California, Texas, and Florida at some point. Top 100 USA basketball for the elites, that got in. Um, the second week in July, coaches did not want necessarily. They want to be back on campus, so they got that. So now it really comes down to the biggest, biggest, biggest change was this third week. We're sitting here at UConn, and essentially is the College Basketball Academy, I'd necessarily say versus Vegas, but that was the biggest change. So let me, I'm sort of setting the table here. Uh, what did you think before any of this, that the recruiting calendar 
uh, how did it need to be changed initially? Well, I don't know that it needed to be changed, right? I, I think that when they went to the commission and everybody came up with all these ideas and eliminating July and eliminating sneaker circuits and eliminating all these different things, it hurts players, it hurts kids, it hurts people's opportunity to get a college scholarship or get recruited to go to college. So I don't really know if change was necessary. I think sometimes we make change to say that we're doing something, but I don't really know wholeheartedly what the change made better, right? I will agree. I think that the June Scholastic weekends were good. Um, I thought they went well. I thought it, Which ones did you go to? I was in uh, Philly, D.C., North Carolina, and uh, New York Catholic League. So I was at four of them. I thought they all went well. I thought they were great evaluation opportunities for, for, for coaches. I thought that you were able to see guys in competitive settings. There was pride. There was intensity in those games. I thought that was a really positive thing. I think it allowed us as a low to mid-major to be able to see younger kids that we might not have seen had they not been playing with their high school team. You know, a lot of times when we go out in the past and we're going to different uh, sneaker circuits or AAU events, you are looking at one age at a time, right? And so we were able to see some younger kids, which I think is a positive, get on our radars a little earlier, get to know them a little better. Uh, so I thought that was a really good thing. You know, my concern about some of the changes that they made is we have to have a, a, a wide net, right? We have to have a number of guys on our recruiting list. And I think that we've not been able to establish as deep a list as we would like, right? Everybody wants to get the top guys on our list. There's guys that we love right now. I don't know if we're going to be able to get them because there's some other schools that also love them that might be at the next level up because everybody's trying to get a guy that's a little bit better than their level. And so have we been able to evaluate enough guys thoroughly to where now if we miss on a couple of our top guys, we can sit there and say confidently, we know this guy's good enough. We know that he can play at our level. We know that he can help us. And that's my biggest concern. Or are we going to have to, after November's NLI date, restart our recruiting list and go out and now spend time going high school game to high school game to try and evaluate and find out if we think kids are good enough where in years past our list was x number of kids long this year it's much shorter so there are some positives to it i think that's one of the biggest drawbacks for us at our level is that we haven't been able to see enough kids and this was not a great year for all this to enact because april was already shortened by sat's final four easter all those kind of things and we knew that years ago we knew that just a quirk in the calendar correct so that even gave us one less opportunity in the spring to go out and see some people and as a staff when we came out of that april period you know some of my assistants were like i like this kid and i'm like all right is this someone we should go on and they're like if we could see him one more time we might be able to tell you that but we're not 100 sure right now so a lot of those questions i think are things that everyone's trying to figure out and you know i think the two scholastic weekends are great i thought the opportunity to go out uh in early early july was good also because you got to see guys in different settings right some guys are good in the high school environment some guys are better in the aau environment depending on who they play with and what role they have uh, so it was good to have that contrast on guys uh, and i think if we could have another one of those opportunities right now i think i'd be comfortable enough to say hey i'm i, I like the changes that have been made and the way things have been implemented so you'd like to see one more team au type weekend in july in July. Yeah, I'd be fine with it. You know, I think we had four days early in the month. If we had four days or even, you know, we used to have, you know, uh, when I first started, closer to almost 15, right? Almost 15. I mean, when I first started, it was 20. And now we're down to 15, you know, because we used to have those two 10-day periods. Now it's down to 15. Now you're down to four plus these opportunities. And there's just, there's, you know, talking to an NCAA rep at, in, in the Under Armour finals, 
you know, he said, well, it's, you know, you go to UConn and you're going to have downtime. I'm like, coaches don't want downtime right now. We want to be able to evaluate mass numbers of kids to be able to build our list and figure out which ones we like, which ones are going to be interested in us and who we can actually get. And I think that's one of the things. I mean, I've been up here since Wednesday and like yesterday at 1230, my day was over. Well, now I have the entire rest of the day where I can't evaluate any prospects, but this is one of the days that we're supposed to be out, out evaluating, and I think that that's, that's a miss. And we're talking here on Friday, so you're saying you got here on Wednesday. All right, so let's first deal with the academy. You've got uh, legitimate, you know, coaches that were head coaches at all different levels, guys that won coach of the year in high-level conferences working with these kids. So let's first deal with what you've seen here in terms of the structure of the academy. What's been your impression? I think the idea is good, right? I I think trying to get guys in the gym, working out, being coached by high-level coaches is great. How much impact are these guys going to be able to have in a 20-minute segment for three days? Right. Like how how in depth are these guys going to be able to get like I've watched the stations or great coaches doing the stations. But right now they're doing some some basic stuff because they don't know the level of the kid that they're working with. Right. They, they I think they're anticipating these guys are going to be college level players. But like these guys aren't used to that kind of structure, that kind of environment, you know, like. And, and so you're doing stations all morning. You want the kids to go hard in the stations. Then they're playing. You know, on Tuesday, they were playing two full college games, 40-minute stop time, with six or seven kids on the roster. Which they then tweaked because they realized, you know, they were spent, so they went to running time. But even now, even with running time, I mean, they, they, they've forever railed against the number of games that people would play in a tournament setting, uh, whether an AAU tournament or a sneaker circuit game or whatever it would be, you know, that they can only play a certain amount of day. They have these teams going back-to-back. So this group that plays now at 4.30 will come back and play at 6.30 with seven or eight guys. They're going to play back-to-backs. I mean, we as college coaches play two games a week. Three is a hard week. They're asking these kids to go stations all morning and then be able to play back-to-back games and play at a high level. I mean, I just don't see how that's feasible from, you know, the, the other night a bunch of kids were cramping and all that kind of stuff because it just was, was too much. So, you know, I think the idea of getting these guys around um, – good coaching is awesome like maybe if this was an event you know in june or something where you didn't you know it wasn't necessarily an evaluation period but they could come and you could learn and you could be coached and guys could work on skill development and uh, understanding of the game better i think that's all for the good of the game but as this being our opportunity to go out and try and figure out who can be on our roster and who can play at our level i just don't think it it fills that need and that's that's the hard part yeah i mean the consensus i'm hearing is they like the idea. They like the concept. We know it's here to stay because they've invested millions of dollars. So the question is, okay, how can we make it better? One aspect has been the timing. Uh, if you move it potentially to June, do you not run up against? And this is kind of quirky this year about USA basketball. Um, the other aspect, the thing I've heard is, you know, do you invite teams? Now, which teams? I don't know. Are they teams or do you have like basically teams come here, but under the NCAA umbrella, almost like a team camp? What are some ideas that you could see that could tweak it to make it better? Because we know it's it's not going to go in, going away. You know, I think, you know, um, you know, one of the one of the ideas I heard from Pat Scary at Towson, which I thought was a good idea, is maybe if this is earlier in the summer, uh, maybe guys would 
earn the opportunity to go to Colorado Springs and maybe be part of USA Basketball, right? And so maybe that would incentivize some guys to come out and be a part of the camp so that it you know becomes a higher level of play. Um, I think that would be a, 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 something that could be you know successful, right? Trying to figure out how to get more good players, more college-level players in the camp is always going to be good. It'd give you great evaluations. You know, so I thought that was a good idea. You know, I would love, you know, the, the, the team environment, how you do that. I don't, I don't know. Right. Um, because sometimes it's hard when you meet kids yesterday at four o'clock in the afternoon and now you got to play with them for two days and figure out, you know, chemistry and timing and put in some offenses and a couple plays that these coaches are putting in and, you know, try and see how they can go out and perform. It's, it's a, it's a hard, hard situation. Some kids aren't as comfortable walking into a team and maybe, you know, grabbing the ball and going and being aggressive. Right. And maybe sometimes they're more comfortable, you know, if they know the people they're playing with, they know their role, they know their coaches. Um, I don't know. I just, I just think this is, is kind of like a, like a turn back the clock effort to make something that isn't necessarily needed. I mean, I think seeing guys play with their high school teams, seeing guys play with their summer teams is, is fine. And I don't, I don't understand why we had to completely reinvent the wheel. Um, I understand that people were doing things that inappropriately, but you know, I've had contacts with great AAU coaches, some not great AAU coaches, great high school coaches, not great high school coaches, great parents, not great parents, right? You can't like legislate morality across the board by making a camp. And that's what I think that they're trying to do and thinking that it's just going to clean everything up. I just, you know, it's a, it's a top 100 problem, a top 50 problem. And we're the ones that are paying the price for it by having fewer days that we can go and evaluate players for our team that can help our program be successful. Um, and so I just don't, under, I don't understand it. So now that we know what's here, though, uh, if you were asked, and I hope that they do ask a cross-section of coaches after all this is over, uh, what would be maybe one or two things you would say, you know what? Sorry for the horn. <laughs> one or two things you would say here. These are my big suggestions that I'd like to see. You know, I think if, if it's going to be here to stay, which I think is, again, kind of, not common sense thinking, right? If, if us as coaches don't feel like it's the best way to evaluate and to, you know, recruit, but they're just going to jam it down our throats anyway, I don't think that that's necessarily a great way to build a cohesive, well-working group, right? I think the NCAA at times is upset and frustrated with lack of coach cooperation. Well, if you don't kind of listen to our suggestions, what's there's no cooperation on either side. You know, one of the things I would say is they have to have more game opportunities for these kids. And that, that doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> that they're playing more than twice a day, but more game slot times so you can see more teams. Like right now, every half the camp is playing right now. And you can watch one game. And then the next set half the game will play and you basically have to pick one game to watch at that point in time so you're evaluating right now we're evaluating 14 guys and some are too good for us some aren't good enough so how many guys can you actually evaluate in one setting so why can't we have games at 12 at one at two at three at four at five right and maybe there's two or three game courts and then some of the other courts are the station courts and some of the other courts are the you know teaching courts so that we can actually see all the people that are at the camp 
so we can figure out who actually is good enough for us, you know, versus, you know, having one game watched at a time. You see, two, you know, like I'll watch, I watch two teams in the first set, two teams in this set, and then one of the kids I'd like to watch again, but that gives me an opportunity to watch, you know, four, maybe six teams in a, in a, in a day. It's just not enough. All good suggestions, and I think, I'm hoping that uh, there will be even more collaboration um, when uh, the summer is over. It'll be great. Thanks. Thank you. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. As always, we deeply appreciate you downloading our podcast and listening to it every week. We are fastly approaching, closing in sometime over the next uh, couple of months where we will reach our 100th episode here on March Madness 365. So it's been a great journey so far. We look forward to covering next season as well for you. Remember, you can download this podcast wherever you get your podcast, and check it out on all our social media handles at NCAA.com and March Madness. Thanks for listening. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, kick it! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip-off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.